happy Mother's Day. Let's all stand together. We're going to start with a song of worship tonight.
Amen. Glad to have you with us. And we're going to continue to worship here in a moment. Thank you for tuning in. Those of you who are joining us online, if you are here in the house, I want to invite you. Uh, we have communion uh, that are kind of to-go communions right back here at the end of each row. And we will be taking communion after the sermon. And so anytime in the next three songs, we invite you to, to make sure you grab one of those, participate with us. If you're at home, you now have some time to get some communion elements from your house and prepare for that. We are so glad to have you here, especially if you're brand new. I met a couple of you. Uh, in fact, we would love to connect with you. If you would do me a favor and just text the word hello uh, to our phone number, which is 520-340-6868. If you just text hello, it'll give you a couple little quick texts, and that'll kind of get you in a system where we can follow up with you, maybe try to help you find your way and, and fit into our Elements family. If you're online, you can click the connection card right there at the top. And Carol is our host online, and she is an incredible mom and an incredible prayer warrior. So if you need prayer tonight online, Carol would love to pray for you. We'd love to pray for you at the end of tonight. Thank you to all of you. Uh, how many feet moms are here? We can give it up for the moms. We can give it up for the moms. In fact, um, I have, uh, we have some giveaways for moms tonight. I, I don't know if you knew that or not. You, when you walked in, you filled out a name. And so uh, Alita, I know where you're sitting. You win one of these gifts, so I'm going to bring it to you in a minute, okay? And let's see here. Savannah, where are you at, Savannah? Savannah, right there. I'm going to bring it to you also, so you're the winners. We have some more giveaways at the end, so don't worry. And if, like, if you're not a mom, you know, buy yourself something. That's on you, okay? So, um, but... We are thrilled to just continue in worship, and part of that, we just want to pray into our evening tonight and pray into the Church of the Week. We've been doing this for the last several months. Uh, there's several churches around town that we pray for a particular church each week, and tonight it's Mountain View Baptist Church, which is up on the northwest side, Pastor Brett, and so we'd love to pray a blessing over their church as they continue to expand the reach of God in their city, and uh, you realize there's a million plus people in our city that are not connected to any faith community. So the harvest is plentiful, and the opportunity for the church, that's you, that's me, we're the church, uh, to make a difference in our city matters. And so let's pray together for our time tonight and pray a blessing over Mountain View Baptist. So God, we pray for Pastor Brett and the team that's there. We ask for your blessing uh, in resource and wisdom and insight to reach the people in the slice of the kingdom that you've given them to tend, just like we're asking that you would bless us. Not because we're special or awesome, but because you're special and you're awesome. And you have such a heart for people. And so we ask your blessing to be upon each mom that's here or watching online. God, we ask that you are, your spirit will be loosened in, in our midst as we worship you, as we linger in your word, as we worship you and take communion. God, we remember the power of the church, of the gathered church, whether we're gathering online or gathering here in person, we're connected. And we're connected into you and with you and into your kingdom and the work that you are about in your heart for people who are not here yet. And so would you help us to be a church that reaches people? Would you help us to be a church that helps people reach up in worship, to, to nurture a heart of worship where we put our attention and our affection on you? And so we submit this next hour or so. Just ask that your spirit would move and stir our hearts afresh and anew, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Light up the way 
look at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning. I know I will never be alone. There was another in the fire sitting next to me. There was another in the walls holding back the sea. Should I ever be Set free. There is a cross that bears the burden. Were another dead for me. There was another in the fire. Oh, my dad left her dead beneath the water. I'm no longer a slave to my sin anymore Should I fall in the space between All that means of me and this reckoning Either way I won't bow to the things of this world And I know, I know I will never be
tonight would you break us out of that routine whatever it might be maybe we're just used to showing up to church listening to a sermon and feeling somewhat convicted and then we go home and we do nothing with it if that's the case God would you just break us from that habit tonight that we wouldn't just be here to check off a morality box that we wouldn't just be here for religious observance but we would be here because we're desperate to meet with you Jesus we need you and we need your presence in our lives so God, would you just show up in a powerful way tonight through your Holy Spirit? Would you do a work that only you can do? Would you awaken dead hearts tonight to your glory, to what it is that you want to do that's new in our lives? So if you're up for it, take a moment to pray for yourself tonight. Ask God what it is for him to make new wine out of you. What's a new thing he wants to do in your life tonight? Ask him to show that to you. to pray for Pastor Jack as well. Ask God to anoint him. Ask God to speak through him and to use him to teach us something tonight. Yeah, Lord, we love you. This time is yours to do with it as you please. And we trust you to do that. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the power. Everyone said, amen. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we're all familiar with guardian angels, right? Maybe you've understood that in your context, and, and I, I've had a couple of experiences in my life where I'm pretty convinced 
uh, the reality of that. I don't know if you've ever heard about a feathered guardian angel. A, a guy in Germany has him to thank or it to thank or I don't know, but the reality is it was a stretch of road that really got a lot of people speeding tickets. They had the speeding cameras set up. You ever seen those when they're around town, right? You kind of maybe went through those intersections a little slower than the normal ones, but into this moment, this guy is definitely speeding, and it's just this, the cops kind of said there had to be something that was going on on that particular day because when they went to examine the picture, there was a dove that had flown in exactly the same moment of where they would have shielded his face and his license plate. And so the cops just realized this had to be the feather guardian angel. And mercy was given to this particular guy who should have been nailed for speeding on that particular day. In fact, if you think about mercy, Jesus says here in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who are merciful for they will be shown Mercy, And you can probably think back over your own life that you've experienced a little glimpse of mercy here or there. Maybe it was uh, that one particular test that you didn't bring your A game, shall we say. Uh, and uh, maybe your teacher showed mercy to you and they were like, hey, I'm going to let you do a redo, okay? Because not many redos in life, but I'm going to give you a redo because you need it. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe there was moments like that in school. Maybe there's moments in that in parenting in your household where you experienced mercy. I remember driving back from Globe, from the White Mountains, and our whole, uh, this was minivan days of the Shoal household, and so we, the whole minivan was full, and um, my kids were kind of napping. Everybody's in hibernation except the driver, that was me, and that's important not to sleep when you drive. So, like, I'm just kind of plugging along, and I don't know if you realize from the White Mountains back to here, it's, it's downhill. So... Like, you go maybe a little bit faster, right? And I remember driving, and we kind of had the cruise control on, and, and um, there was a cop that was coming that I saw a little bit too late, right? And so I just kind of kept going, thinking, well, he's going the opposite way. It's no problem. And he zooms past, and I thought, I'm in the clear. And then I saw the lights come on, saw the brake lights light up, and he seemed to be slowing down, and so I took off the cruise, hoping not to wake the hibernating bears, which was everybody. And I forgot to mention my in-laws were with us as well, and my father-in-law was sitting in the passenger seat. And I also forgot to mention that he worked uh, for the Tucson Police Department for 25 years. And so as I see this person uh, slowing down and, and kind of doing a U-turn, and I'm realizing, oh, no, um... So the cruise is slowing down, and, and I'm going to slow, but we're still going downhill. I mean, so it's like a little, little quick. So uh, we're heading, I'm slowing a little bit, thinking, well, maybe he won't remember what color my car was. Um, and he comes up behind me, he remembered, uh, and, you know, he kind of turned his light, you know, did the little woo-woo you know, thing, and I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I'm pulling over um, off the side of the road. There's a two-lane road, so you got to pull off. And I remember him beginning that walk, and then I looked over, and my father-in-law was waking up. And I was like, oh, hi there, um, former cop guy. Um, and uh, he comes up, and he says, hey, do you know how fast you're going? I was like, hey, a little bit faster than I should have been, officer, sir, sir. You look awesome, sir. Um, and he, you know, I had paperwork, gave him paperwork. He's looking over. And then uh, my father-in-law starts talking cop cop to cop, and they start talking, and 
in that exchange as I just remain quiet uh, in between. And, and my mother-in-law, is I can see her looking. <laughs> Hello. Um, and, um, everyone is awake at this point, and cops are talking. And then he just hands me the paperwork and says, uh, I tell you what, um, I clocked you going like 85. Um, and I was like, oh, really? It's downhill. Um, and that didn't matter. And he said, you know, you have the radar in the front of the car. And I said, oh, in fact, by the way, did you know that? Uh, that cops have a radar in the front of the car when they pass you. They could actually tell. Didn't know that. Now, now, now I know that now. Um, and so he said, I'm, I'm just going to let this go. Charlie, good to meet you. And to my father-in-law there. And uh, we kind of waved and goodbye. And off we went and wiped the brow and received mercy. Because uh, I really was speeding and shouldn't have been. And the reality is I didn't get what I deserved. In reality, that's what mercy is. When you don't get what you actually deserve to get, and you're given mercy, you're kind of given this reprieve, you're given this opportunity to move on. And the reality is we've all received mercy. The definition of mercy is an event to be grateful for, especially because its occurrence prevents something unpleasant, a speeding ticket, or provides relief from suffering, it's compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm, but they extend grace or mercy to them. Actions performed out of a desire to relieve suffering, to be kind and gracious. The scripture has a lot to say about mercy. The kingdom of God, mercy trumps judgment every time. You'll see that throughout the scriptures. James writes this in James 2, 13. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. In the kingdom of God, mercy really matters. It's important. However, in the kingdom of man, judgment seems to ride pretty high in the saddle, along with its trusty sidekick, condemnation. And they seem to be way more prevalent than mercy in our cultural backdrop. In fact, in our cancel culture society, we seem to feed off the failures and the flaws of others. And maybe social media perpetuates that or could be a whole host of things, but it's almost like we act like a school of piranha who just kind of tear away at the helpless prey around us at times. And sometimes our lack of mercy that we seem to expend is actually our inability to receive mercy or, or to recognize how merciful maybe God has been to you. Uh, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, maybe you're here, you're following Jesus for a long time. Maybe you're just investigating and, and spiritually searching. Maybe you're tuning in online and someone had invited you to tune into church and you thought you'd check it out before you show up. And, and, and maybe you're kind of on a journey where you're like, I don't know if I understand this whole God thing or this Jesus thing, but I, I'm curious. And, and I hope that maybe in, in the course of our time looking into the word and as we worship here at the end, that uh, God would stir your heart that maybe... Maybe he's a God of mercy more than anything. See, we've been looking at the Beatitudes here, which is the beginning of one of the most famous passages of Scripture that you see in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus would have given this sermon often. And he kind of starts with this, uh, the Beatitudes section, and kind of this declaration of what he's declaring. His, here's the kind of people that the kingdom of God, those who are followers of God, those who are kind of following after Jesus himself, this is the kind of person that you're to become. Remember, it's the Beatitudes, not the do attitudes. So it's not about like do 
doing this in order to get something from God. This is, okay, I've received from God, and now he's transforming and changing me to be more like this. And it's, I'm going to flow more and more like this and have this more and more a part of my life. We kind of said the series takeaway was this, that the pursuit of the good life, that the world says, hey, here's the good life, go after this. It's in every commercial you see. It will always lead you to a place where it disappoints you and lets you down. But the pursuit of a God life will actually bring real joy and real blessing into your life. And so Jesus continues this manifesto. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And it's not this idea that in commentaries you begin to read, it's not this idea that I have to be merciful in order to get God's mercy. No, no, he goes first. But as he goes first, we're then to reciprocate, to be part of the conduit of his mercy going forward into the lives of others and into this world around us to make a difference. And that blessed are those who live this way, for they will be shown mercy. That mercy will continue to be a rhythm and a part of their life. Jesus, who is the one who is the endless fountain of mercy, came to earth to show us, here's the life-giving waters of mercy. Here's what it means to live as a merciful one. And how that can not only change you, but it can begin to impact the people around you. And yet you know in our culture that mercy, we see it in glimpses, we see it in pockets here or there. But we really do live in, in pretty much a survival of the fittest, kind of a judgment-based society. Which isn't bad in some ways. There are consequences to decisions and to the reality of what we face. And so it isn't that we ignore all that. But it is this idea that... All of us need more mercy than sometimes we think we do. And that's the bottom line truth. And if we don't live as people with mercy, or people who understand receiving mercy, then we really miss out on this life that Jesus is calling us to. And see, the culture back then in the first century wasn't a whole lot different than the 21st century. We think we've advanced a lot, but the reality is humanity is humanity. And the truth is that the Roman Empire wasn't as merciful by nature, just like our culture context, doesn't really bleed mercy first and foremost. It kind of says it's survival of the fittest is kind of the undercurrent of the cultural reality. And even Jesus' disciples bought into that. In fact, do you remember the night that Jesus washed his disciples' feet? Go back this week and rewind into that passage. Do you remember what was happened just a couple hours before that? The disciples were arguing about something. Do you remember what they were arguing about? They were arguing about who's the greatest. They were arguing about which one of them was actually the best disciple. They were arguing with one another in front of Jesus. He's an eardrop, okay? So think about that. The Son of God, the creator of the world is listening in on a bunch of people, the 12 of them, who've been walking around for three years now with Jesus, arguing about, I am so much better than you. Like, I don't even understand how you're even trying to compare yourself to me. I am like here, and you are like here. Like, I am for sure the greatest of all of us. And I don't know which one's talking, because they're all talking like that. Have you ever had sibling arguments like that? No, no, no. 
Mom loves me more. It's Mother's Day. <laughs> I think she, I mean, if we could go ask her, but I don't think she wants to be put on the spot. But, like, we know that the reality of, you know, this, and, and we have these little arguments, right? And we sometimes actually think that there's truth. And then into that eavesdrop moment, Jesus is overhearing that, and they get to the time where they're at supper together, and Jesus says, what were you talking about back there? Oh, no, 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 nothing. And in that moment, when they probably needed godly rebuke, Jesus takes off his outer robe, wraps a towel around him, and he washes his disciples' feet. People, men, who have been walking around for three years following Jesus, what they probably deserved in that moment was like a verbal spanking, right? Let's just, like, call you out. Anyone ever been called out before? Uh, how many of you deserved it? And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I deserve that one. <clears throat> We've all been there. They probably deserved that. But what they got was the creator of the heavens and the earth, the son of God, bending down and washing their dirty feet. And he says, you know, what I've done for you, you're to do for one another. You call me master, and I'm showing you the way of serving. This, this is how we move forward. That had to be a pretty awe-inspiring moment, a pretty humbling moment. Put yourself there. That had to be pretty humbling. It's a reality that God is merciful. The ultimate act of mercy Jesus shows a few days later as he gives up his life as a ransom for many. As he bleeds out on the cross to say, hey, with these bloody hands, I'm showing you the Father's kingdom. We didn't deserve salvation. We didn't earn salvation. It's a gift from a merciful God. And when we realize that it's mercy that calls our name when we're running away from him, then maybe we're moved to turn around and actually follow him. And when we realize that it's mercy that takes our place on that cross, maybe we desire a place in his kind of kingdom. And when we realize that it's mercy that meets us in our darkest moments, we may actually want to follow him forward into the light. See, mercy has a way of calling. And calling in a way and drawing people in a way that rebuke never can. And I wonder if the church, the capital C church, should learn that lesson a little bit more. There's power in mercy. Those who experience divine mercy are themselves shaped and fashioned into merciful people. And that takes God's transformational work within us because it's not natural to be merciful, is it? It's not natural to choose that. In fact, the opposite is actually natural, isn't it? That's why we live in a culture in which we live. Many of the Jewish religious leaders had serious issues with mercy. Jesus described the scribes and the Pharisees as those who don't practice what they teach. 
who shut the door of the kingdom of God and the heaven uh, of the, on the places and the people's faces of those. They neglected the most important laws of justice and mercy and faithfulness, and, and yet they would meticulously tithe a 10% of their spices and mint, and yet lacked justice and mercy and faithfulness for the people that they were supposed to be leading. So mercy himself, Jesus, comes to show the way. We must begin to understand that mercy is not something God does. Mercy is who God is. And when he revealed himself, when God the Father revealed himself to Moses, right? Remember back in Exodus 34, God wants to, to, to show himself to Moses. And Moses is saying, who do I tell the people that you are? Who do I tell them? And he says, I am Yahweh. I am the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. That's who I am. That's who you tell them I am. Because that's who I am, not just what I do. It's my identity. It's one of the very first characteristics of him. God's mercy is essential to his being, uh, which is eternal and infinite and inexhaustible. God can be no more run out of mercy than he can run out of himself. There isn't a shelf life to his mercy. There isn't an an expiration date to how much he's going to actually have. Mercy is who he is. Mercy is God in Christ by the Spirit's power running toward humanity, which is locked in a burning house of sin and death, and he unlocks and breaks down the door and says, come with me. That's mercy. And that's what Jesus has done. Jesus shares his mercy with us so that we can become merciful people. We're to exercise mercy. Not just think merciful thoughts, but we're to have merciful actions to those that we love, to those that are close to us, and to all of our neighbors. And to everyone that comes across our path, we're to be merciful in our interactions with them. We're to have kind of an understanding of who is your neighbor. Do you remember the Good Samaritan story? Uh, Where they were trying to catch Jesus and kind of spin him in a thing of what's the greatest commandment, right? That's what they're asking him. That's how the whole story really starts. And Jesus says, the lawyer kind of responds, well, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, yes, that's it. You got it. And and then trying to justify himself, the the lawyer, kind of the religious leader of the day was like, well, well, who's my neighbor? Let's put some definition on this because I want to understand, like, who do I actually have to do this for? Because it can't be everybody. So let's define this a little bit. And Jesus says, well, let me tell you a story. You remember the story. If, if not, I'll kind of paraphrase it for you. Luke chapter 10, you can read about it. Jesus replied, a Jewish man was traveling down from Jerusalem, uh, kind of down toward Jericho, and was attacked by bandits, a bunch of robbers that stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, left him half dead on the side of the road. Uh, a priest came along, and when he saw the man lying there, he crossed over to the other side. Didn't want to contaminate himself or make himself unclean because he had uh, things that he had to go do at the temple. And so he just passed on by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there. But also he moved and passed on to the other side. I I wonder if Jesus paused before the next phrase of this story. See, what's fascinating, what makes stories great is when the story changes. And it, it takes a new hinge or a new direction that was out of the blue, right? Because then into that moment, Jesus says, a Samaritan is walking by. And into that moment, there would have been murmuring through the crowd. 
it would have been like maybe in our day, Jesus saying a jihadist walks by. Whoa, that went to another level. Yeah, that's what Jesus did in that moment. A Samaritan, see, Jews and Samaritans hated one another, could not stand one another. They were purely against one another. And Jesus begins to turn the story where that person who was the enemy actually becomes the hero. What? Who does that? And Jesus continues. The Samaritan came along. He saw the man. He felt compassion for him. Going over to him, he soothed his wounds with oil and wine and bandaged them. He put the man on his own donkey and took him to the inn. And he took care of them. And then the next morning, he gives the innkeeper some money and says, hey, you watch over him, let him get healed up. And if it costs more than this, then the next time I come through, because you know I come through here all the time, then I'll pay you the difference of what it is. And then Jesus asked the question to the lawyer, right? Now, which of these three would you say was neighborly or was the neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? The man replied, well, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes. Now, go and do the same. Now, go and do the same. See, you're trying to define your neighbor. You're trying to pinpoint into who do I need to be merciful to and who don't I have to be merciful to. And Jesus is saying, that's the wrong question. And so now that you know the right answer, go and do likewise. Go and do the same. You're commissioned now. This is the kind of person you're to be. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You want to know the kind of people I want you to become, it's this. Go into the same. Mercy is action-oriented. It's not just a philosophy that you believe in or a concept that you try to understand. It actually has gestures and activity to it. Mercy isn't afraid to touch human suffering or to interact with it, and it doesn't just pass by and not get involved. Mercy is not afraid to cross barriers and even violate norms of society to speak in and to jump into the reality of what it was. Mercy looks beyond a person's fault and sees his or her need. Mercy is not concerned with how or why a person got into that condition in the first place. It simply responds with unexpected kindness to the need that's there. Loving people doesn't require that we accept everything they do. It simply requires that we see people the way God sees people. Loved, valuable, redeemable. And we treat them that way. It doesn't mean I have to agree with everything. And it doesn't mean I have to believe everything. It doesn't mean I have to dismiss sin or excuse it away. Mercy simply chooses to respond to the need of the person versus just recoiling from the sin or brokenness of the person. Mercy chooses not to step on the other side of the road and pass on by. Mercy says, I see the need, and I'm able to respond, and so I'm going to. Because this person is valuable, and they're loved by God. And mercy has been shown to me. And so now I just want to be a conduit of mercy. 
Scripture speaks about how our heart is to remain tender. How's your heart? How's your heart for society? If we're just honest, we live in a very polarizing time, don't we? I mean, we're idiots if we don't see that. And so, into that scenario, how's your heart? How is your heart really? Not a philosophy you talk about or a concept that you believe in. Mercy has actions to it, it has gestures, it has a response. And if the church, you, me, if we're to truly make a difference in the world, then that means we have to be different than the world. Duh. Hello. Are you tracking? So the challenge is, how's your heart? Because in a polarizing world, it's so easy for a heart to become hard and, and built, uh, kind of we drop the drawbridge and we kind of, Assemble around our like tribe and say, well, those, they're the enemy over there. I'm gonna, and they and them and all that. And I, Jesus just said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And what would it look like for his people, who say they're his people, and who follow in faith after him, to live mercifully? And again, that doesn't mean you ignore everything. But it means you see the need first and that you respond to that. There's a, a quote in the Old Testament. It talks about God's mercy meets us new every morning. Here's what it is. It comes from Lamentations. Lamentations is a book about lament. It's about the people of God being taken into captivity and, and just how heart-wrenching that is. And, and so we're speaking into this, and yet in the middle of the chapter, in the middle of the book of Lamentations, it's all about this incredible lament to God. God, why are you doing this? And, uh, this is just horrible, and what's happening in the heartache of the people, and yet we see this incredible promise in Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. Here's what it says. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. So when does it end? Like, is it next year? Is it the year after? Is it like 100 years from now? Is it like a, you know, a millennium from now? Like, what's the shelf life of, oh, it doesn't end. Okay, so, like, your love never ends. His mercies never cease. So, like, when do they stop? Like, it's kind of like the ocean. Uh, anyone ever stood in the ocean? The waves keep coming. Uh, you remember they turn off, like, at 11.59 at night, right? No, they don't. Like, they keep coming, right? And so the waves always can keep Well, that's kind of like God's mercies. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. It's not mediocre. It's great. His mercies begin afresh each morning. The word afresh there is what I want you to learn. In Hebrew, it's called hadas. Just say that. That's cool. Hadas. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Hadas every morning. Here's the beautiful part of that. The English word is new or afresh maybe in your scriptures. The Hebrew word is adas, uh, hadas. Today's mercy is different than yesterday's mercy. Or the day before or the day before that. Just as a seasonal flu vaccine changes from year to year, God's mercies change from day to day. It's a new strain of his mercy. Why? Because you didn't sin today the way you did yesterday. And the way you will tomorrow. And so you need fresh mercy from God. 
You need God's activity and his intervention differently today than you did yesterday. So here's what I want you to figure out. You can Google this later, or you can kind of do math in your head if you like math. Um, so like, figure out how old you are. Not in years, but in days. Figure out how many days you've been alive. How many years you've been alive, and then figure that out in today's. Because the reality is you have been given new mercies each day, afresh each day. Hadas, meaning every day it's new. It's a fresh serving of it. And it's different today than it was yesterday, and tomorrow it'll be different too. So you begin to do the math and think about this. By the time you're 21, you have experienced 7,665 unique mercies from God. You hit midlife in the 40s or so, and you number around 14,600 new mercies from God daily, over and over. You hit 50, like me, 18,250 days. 18,250 new mercies of God. You get to retirement age, you're at 23,725 times that God's new mercy has met you afresh Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God's mercy meets you, hadas, anew every single day. He didn't just give you some mercy. He gives you daily mercy that you need. And as people who live under the umbrella and the embrace of that kind of mercy, well then... God's just transforming our hearts to be merciful people. Like, that's how it's supposed to work. That is what Jesus is saying. Blessed are the merciful. They will be shown mercy. You cannot give away what you do not possess. And so have you received God's mercy? For some of you who may be on your own spiritual journey, you're trying to figure out where do I fit and how do I, how do I follow this Jesus? And what does that really mean well, friend, that starts with just saying, I need Jesus. That starts with a posture of the heart that says, I'm tired of trying to do life on my own. I need to receive the mercy of God. And so we remember that it's Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection that says, hey, here's the gospel. Here's the good news. That God's given you an opportunity to have life with him now and on into eternity, not based on what you do, but based on what Jesus did for you. And it's saying yes to him. Jesus, I want to know more of this. I want to be a person who receives that mercy from you, and I want to be a giver of that mercy. I want to be the conduit of that. And so we've been saying throughout this whole series, so now it's when you get out your phone and open up a new note, or maybe open up a note that you've been keeping the last couple of weeks, and we're going to take a moment and just reflect and move into a time of communion and worship of just what is God nudging in your heart? And so on a new note on your phone, like literally you can get your phone out, and think about how is God shaping you, speaking into your heart tonight? What's the Holy Spirit kind of nudging your heart to hold on to? What's your takeaway for tonight? What, maybe it was a verse that we looked at. Maybe it was a, a statement that you heard. Maybe it was just a sense that you feel like God's kind of showing you this. It's going to be different for each of us. But to take a minute, take 30 seconds right where you're at, and just say, God, would you show me what I need to hold on to. And would you kind of let me begin to hold on and begin to wrestle with that, to pray into that this week? What's that one thing that sticks out to you that nudges your heart?
as you're thinking about that or online thinking about that. Remind us again. Jesus said, blessed are those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. That's the kind of heart Jesus wants to form into you and to me, to followers of Jesus, wherever we may be, to leverage that. And as we pause and get prepared to take communion, to remember that it's Jesus' life and death and resurrection that provides the gospel, the good news, that life with God's available. Uh, again, if you haven't gotten communion, it's at the end of both of these rows, and maybe online you've gotten elements prepared for that. I just want you to think and, and just sit and reflect over a couple verses here, taken from Titus chapter 3. It's Paul's writing to this church, and he says, Look, once we too were foolish, disobedient. We were misled, became slaves to so many different lusts and pleasures of the world. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated one another. Does that describe our world? That describes our world. Once we were there, but, circle that, because God steps into the story and he changes everything. But, when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and his love, he saved us. Not because of righteous things that we do, or that we have done, but because of his, his what? But because of his mercy. But because of his mercy, he washes away our sins. He gives us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out his spirit on us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so in a moment, I'm going to pray and just invite you to take a second and just pray to thank God for Jesus and for his sacrifice, for his life, his death, his resurrection that paved a way that said mercy isn't just a concept we think about or a philosophy we hold to. It actually has gestures, activity behind it. And Jesus put on a body and said, because I love you, I'm going to show you. I'm not going to cross over to the other side and walk right past. I'm actually going to get down and mend your wounds and bring you home and bring you healing because I love you and I care about you and I want to show you mercy. And now as I've shown you mercy, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Live this way out loud. And so Jesus, we remember. So we take communion in a moment, as we take that bread and remember that it was your body that was broken for us, for us and for our redemption and our rescue. That it was your blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins, my sin. That you didn't have to do that, but you wanted to do that because you see us as valuable. You see us as loved. You saw our need, and you just responded. Why? Because mercy is who you are. It is also what you do. And we are the benefactors of that. So take a moment, pray for yourself, take communion, and we'll close in this final song.
never lose the wonder of God's mercy, friends. So I'm going to invite you, if you're here in the house, you can sit down for a quick second. Just want to update you on a couple things. We have a couple more Mother's Day giveaways here. So thank you again for all of you who partner with us, whether you're watching online or here. Uh, we don't pass a plate, uh, but we kind of have some giving boxes in the back. Most folks give online or through the app. And uh, your partnership makes a lot of things happen. It makes it all happen as far as the church. This week, we got to deliver uh, teacher appreciation Dutch Bro gift cards to every single staff member of the two church of the two schools that we sponsor. Thanks to your partnership in doing that, it's a way for us to say, hey, it's been a tough year and we care about you. We care about our community. And this is a simple way for us to, to give back and to do that. And if you are new tonight, just invite you to the 10-minute party. It'll be in the back. I'll be there. I'd love to meet you. And uh, here's what I'm gonna invite you to do. So if you're a mom, get excited because like your name might be drawn. So this is Callista, my youngest and my favorite. Um, so <clears throat> uh, she is going to draw out a name here. So, okay, we're going to do this one last. So, okay, I'm going to do that one there. Okay, we're doing that one last. Okay, ready? Okay, I don't really have a drum roll. Caden? Bridget. Bridget, this one's you. Okay, we got that one. So we got one there for, how many we got? I don't know how many we have. Okay, Bridget, that's you. Okay, next. Here we go. And I really should read faster, sorry. Parisi, oh, Parisi, your wife. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> so, that's, that's for your wife, okay. All right, and number next, okay. You can unfold these, because it makes it go faster. Okay, sweet. Um, all right, Sandy, and I'm gonna, Sandy L. Sandy L, okay, so Sandy, okay, Sandy. All right, so this one's, this one's you, Sandy. Okay, we got that one. Okay, number next. Trish, Trish, you're a wiener. So we got that one. Where's Trish? There you are, Trish. You're awesome. Thank you for singing. Okay, last one, and this is the best one. So I'm just saying, Melody Bailey. And I know where Melody is. Melody is serving in our E-Kids tonight, and so we're excited for her. So... Melody, this one's for you, and I'll bring it to you after that. So, would you just stand up where you're at? I want to lead us in a benediction here, taking from the book of Jude. I want to make sure I get this right. This is Jude chapter 1, because there's only one chapter of Jude. Verse 2, here's what it says. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. Friends, as you go this week, God bless you. May he move his mercy in you and through you. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless. All right, so that's Melody.